Now today we're talking about promises. Did you guys ever have someone make a promise or a commitment to you and then they go back on their word or they don't uphold their end of the bargain? Has that ever happened? If it's ever happened to you, then you really know it sucks when that happens, right? It can lead you to distrust the person. It can let you make you feel let down. And, you know, if we're honest, it can allow us to harbor a little bit of bitterness and resentment towards that person in our heart. Um, Melissa and I, we used to visit a homeless shelter in, in the city that was strictly for troubled youth. It was for, for youth alone. So most of the people that, most of the young people that lived there were somewhere between the ages of 16 to 18 or 14 to 18 or so. And we used to do ministry there quite often. And it was an amazing experience. We loved it a ton. But I don't know how many times people promised to be there for us, to come with us and to join us in on the ministry to help us serve the youth there. And then just never show up, just never come. You know, we would drive through the traffic. By the way, it was in Times Square. It was just outside of Times Square. The shelter's on 42nd and 10th Avenue in the city. And we used to drive through Times Square, pack up our car with the speakers, and, and we used to bring food and snacks to feed the kids. And we, I mean, we loved it. It was such a great time to do that. But we, we would do all that hoping that the people that promised to be there to help us unload and serve these kids hoping, praying that they would be there. And of course, it was a real letdown when we had to unload the car, set it up, do the service all by ourselves, you know, to the kids there. And it's a real letdown when that happens. But let's be honest, uh, because we're not all innocent here, are we? I'm sure we can think of a bunch of times when we've been stood up and we've been let down. But I bet you what? I bet you you've been on that on this side of letting somebody else down as well. I bet you you've broken a few promises of your own. Have you guys ever heard of the quote or read the quote, don't lie, don't cheat, and don't make promises you can't keep? You ever heard of that? But yeah, we do it all the time, don't we, if we're honest? Make promises, we say things, and then we don't keep up our end of the bargain. There's this touching scene in one of the best TV shows on the ga- in this galaxy, in the Milky Way, known to mankind ever. The best TV show in the world, it was called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And uh, in this show, Will Smith, he uh, moves from Philly to Bel Air uh, to live with his aunt and uncle. And Will comes from a broken home with a deadbeat dad that he barely knew, right, in the show. I don't need to tell this. You already know this. This is the best show in the world. But in this particular episode, his dad comes back into the picture. You guys remember this episode? And uh, he comes into the picture. He wants to reconnect with Will. And he, Will is finally excited about... Finally having his dad back in his life. His dad comes out of nowhere. He wasn't in his life for the longest. And now his dad is in the picture. And his dad begins to make all these promises to Will. And he says, we're going to spend time together. We're going to go on a road trip, man. It's going to be like good times together. And it's a huge promise that unfortunately Will's dad is unable to keep. I I, uh, got the clip for you guys. I want you to check it out. Check it out on the screen right here. You see, guys, a broken promise devastated Will as if you were in that situation, it would have been the same. And we've all been there, whether on the giving end or on the receiving end. You know, when you enter a covenant uh, such as marriage, you promise your loyalty to your spouse with the ring. When you move into an apartment, you enter an agreement with your landlord to pay your rent and you promise so through a lease. In today's passage, Paul is going to use this example of a promise, of an agreement, of a covenant to help make his point. And throughout the book of Galatians, Paul has been doing two things. First, 
He's been course correcting folks that have been fooled into accepting the lie that in order to truly be saved, in order to be uh, truly right with God, not only did you have to put your faith in Jesus, but you also had to keep a couple Old Testament ceremonial rituals as well. And so he's been trying to course correct this throughout the book of Galatians. But secondly, he's been trying to debunk the argument made by this religious sect by spreading that there's been spreading the rumor by proving that they're wrong. And so the first thing that we learn today in this passage, Galatians chapter 3, verse 15 to 22, the first thing that we learn is number one in your notes. You can write this down, that God doesn't break his promises. Amen. God doesn't break his promises. And Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter 3, verse 18. For if the inheritance would, uh, if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's what? God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. And here's what Paul is referring to. You know, when you read the creation account in the book of Genesis, we read that everything that God created was what? It was good. And there was perfect harmony between God and his creation. That is until man sinned. And Adam and Eve sinned before God and brokenness enters the world. And as we mentioned last week, this brokenness, our sin, it's a curse. And the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. Our sin deserves God's wrath. And ultimately, the price for our sin is eternal separation from God. But God sets a plan in place to redeem, to restore, and to forgive mankind. And He does so through a promise. And in the Old Testament, we're introduced to a man named Abraham. And God makes a promise to Abraham, saying that through his seed, he would be a blessing to all nations. And the fulfillment of this promise, the seed that the text is referring to, it's who? Who is it? It's Jesus. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. He is the means by which all nations will be blessed and how all have an opportunity to be reconciled to God. Now listen, we may break our promises, and we often do, but God doesn't. And because we experience so many broken promises, or because we so often make light of our commitments and our agreements and our contracts, it can be easy to say the same of God. The argument Paul is making here is that God made a promise to Abraham, and he's not like you and he's not like me. God doesn't go back on his word. He doesn't change his mind. And for these folks that are trying to convince the Gentile Christians to be circumcised, they're making the claim that God is not true to his promise that he has to revert to the law. That's what Paul's making this argument against that. But Paul mentions in this text that first came the promise, and then God gave the law some 400 plus years later to Moses. Now guys, this isn't the chicken egg and egg argument. It's not what came first. right? We know what came first. The promise came by God to Abraham first. It came before the law. Now what do we learn from this? But we learned that God is the great law keeper and that Jesus is the great law fulfiller. You and I, we screw up all the time. We don't keep our end of the bargain. We mess up. We let down. We break promises and we make promises that we can't keep, but not God. That's not God's character. God is not a liar. God does not go back on his word. We serve a God that is faithful to accomplish what he says he will. And in a world where there's so many lies and there's so many broken promises, there's one thing you can know for certain, and that is that God is true. Politicians make promises, and they break them. People in leadership, 
pastors, people we look up to, friends and family, people that we love, that we look up to, they let us down. But God does not. The promise that he gave to Abraham, he carried it through in Jesus. So if that's the case, maybe you're asking yourself the question, and I'm sure the audience in Galatia did as well, then why do we have the law? So then why did God give us the law? Why was the law even given if we have this promise that was fulfilled years later in Jesus? Well, Paul goes on to answer that objection. It's number two in your notes. And that is this, that the law was given to show us our sin. The law was given to show us our sin. Look at verse 19. He says, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise. Remember the promise that was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus to show people their what? To show people their, their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. Who's the child that was promised, guys? Who's that? It's Jesus. And Paul says here that the law, the law was given to us like a mirror. And when you look in the mirror, uh, when you look in the mirror of the law, it shows you all the ways that you fall short. The law was given to show us our inability to keep the law. When you wake up in the morning, right, and you head to wherever you have your mirror, you look at it, it reflects you as you truly are. Messy hair, stank breath, drool stain all over your PJs, right? The, the mirror reflects exactly how you are in the morning. And that's what the law is like. You stare at your reflection in it, and it shows you as you are. And how's that? Well, as a sinner, incapable of upholding the law. It shows you warts and all. It demonstrates your inability to keep even with the simplest of laws. But then beyond a mirror, it also, it also, it's also a map that ultimately leads and points us to Jesus. You know, this week uh, we were on the train, Melissa and I were on the train, and somebody stopped to ask us for directions. So what I did, I took my phone out. And as every good New Yorker, you have a subway app somewhere in there, right? I took out my subway app. I looked at it, and I helped her find the best route, and I pointed her in the right direction. That's what the law is like. The, the law is like that. It, it helps point us. We look into the mirror of the law. We realize how incapable we are to keep up with its demands. And it also maps out and it points us towards something or someone else. And guys, the law in and of itself, it's good. Right? There's nothing wrong with the law. I think we could all agree that God's moral law is good. Anybody have a problem with thou shalt not murder? Anybody have a problem with that one? Right? Any parents in here who think honor thy mother and father is a bad idea, right? No parents have a disagreement with that. Everybody says that's a good idea, right? And so as we look introspectively, we stand completely disarmed and disabled before the law. And it should reveal the desperately sinful condition of our hearts. It should develop a desire within us for something more and for a solution to this sin problem. Ultimately, what it does is it points us to the only person who is able to perfectly fulfill the law. It points us to Jesus. The fulfillment of the promise that was given to Abraham, the seed that was promised, God's promise to eradicate the stronghold sin had on you and me is fulfilled in Jesus. In fact, Paul paints our sin condition and the sin problem we all have as a prison, is what he calls it. It's a prison and we're all held captive to its grasp. Have you ever truly felt the weight of your sin and the hopelessness that we experience to try and live 
holy and righteous lives. If you never have, then maybe you need to look into the mirror of the law a little more to see the hopelessness there and to develop the desperation for freedom from this prison of sin. For some of you, this is the prayer that you need to pray today. You say, God, show me my sin. Help me see my hopelessness to bring about any solution to this on my own and of my own might and will. Because it's from the depths of desperation that we can learn, number three in your notes, that we find freedom from sin by believing in Jesus Christ. We find freedom from sin by believing in Jesus Christ. Let's read this verse out loud together. It's Galatians 3, verse 22. You should have it in your notes. It's also on the screen. Let's read it out loud. Ready, go. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Guys, did you know that this morning? You and me, we are prisoners. We are prisoners to our sin. But the good news is that there is a way by which we can experience freedom from this prison. There's a way that we can go from dead because of our sin and transgressions to alive and free. The good news is that the solution is not to do good works, is not to try to live a more righteous life, is not to be the better person than the person that's sitting next to you. The good news is that it's not about following the letter of the law without fail, with no mistakes, with no screw-ups, slips, fails, falls, or stumbles. The good news is that freedom from our prison of sin is found and only found by believing in Jesus. Jesus was the promise given to God, given by God to Abraham, who would come to fulfill the law for us. He lived the life that you and I were incapable of living, and then Jesus took the punishment for our sin, the sin that you and I deserve to pay for. He took it upon himself, and he nailed his flesh to a cross. Jesus took whips across his back. He took punches to his face, a crown of thorns impaled into his scalp, and nine-inch nails hammered through his wrists and feet in your place, in my place. For our sake, he who knew no sin became sin so that we would be made righteous. They took Jesus' lifeless body and put him in a tomb. But to make our atonement for sin complete, Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the sin that made us dead and is raised to life so that the grip of sin on us would be powerless to ever imprison us again. You are free from the imprisonment of sin. And listen, it doesn't mean that you are a saint from this point forward. It doesn't mean that you don't slip up from time to time. But it does mean that the spirit of the living God will be living inside of you, convicting you of your sin, drawing you closer to God and empowering you to live and look more like Christ day by day. We find freedom from sin by believing in Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, if you're a seasoned Christian, if you're a mega Christian and you only listen to Christian music, you watch Christian music. Uh, Christian movies, you only wear Christian clothing, and you drink from Christian mugs with Bible verses on it, this is still true for you. Do not forget that your Christian religion and your good works do not save you. Your religion is powerless against the imprisonment of sin. It's only by believing in Jesus. Now, if you're here today and you're a newer Christian or a baby Christian or you're just in the beginning of your faith walk, 
Remember that your salvation is not dependent on a leader or a pastor or an author or a preacher or your friends because your pastors, your leaders, your friends are flawed and they will let you down. They will fail you. They are powerless against the imprisonment of sin and powerless to save. It's only by believing in Jesus. Now, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, or you're just kicking the tires of Christianity, or you're just exploring your faith, then you need to realize that before a holy and righteous God, you fall incredibly short, and you are incapable of upholding the law. And your sin deserves God's wrath. And someone's got to pay. The good news is that you don't have to, because we serve a generous God that stepped in to pay the debt that you owe. And you can experience God's love and God's mercy, God's forgiveness and restoration by believing in Jesus. All you have to do is put your faith in Him today. That's it. Now guys, me and you, we break promises all the time. But we serve a God that is faithful and He keeps His promises. And His promise is true and it was delivered through the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, then I want to encourage you to do so. It's not by religion. It's not by church attendance. It's not by how much Bible you memorize or how much Christian lyrics, you, music lyrics you know. It's not about any of those things. Paul said it right here, clear as day. It's by believing in Jesus. And that's all you have to do. Now, the decision between you and God. You make that decision to put your faith in Him, to believe in Him. But as your church family, we'd love to know so that we can encourage you, so that we can equip you, put a Bible in your hand if you need it, so that we can be the church family that you need to help encourage you in your walk with Christ. And the way you can let us know that is on the back of your connection card. Just check it off. Let us know. May Jesus, Lord, and Savior today. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here, and they're going to lead us in uh, one of the songs that we sang earlier uh, one more time. And as they lead us in this, in this song, this worship, I would love for you to reflect and pray and consider and thank God that he is a promise keeper and that he kept his promise and that his promise was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Would you guys join me in this prayer? God, I thank you that you are a God that keeps his promises. Friends, family, people we love and look up to, uh, and we ourselves, we break promises all the time. But God, you do not. You kept your promise, Lord. You kept it and you even though we fell incredibly short, you still kept your promise and you gave us Jesus in our place to die. And it's found the answer to that is found in Christ alone. Oh God, free us from this imprisonment of sin. We believe in Jesus as the only one powerful enough, the only one mighty enough, the only one righteous enough to forgive us our sin and to grant us new life and reconciliation unto the Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.